0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories, and today's story, The Romance of a Christmas Card, by Kate Wiggin. Chapter 6. On the afternoon before Christmas of that year, the North Station in Boston was filled with hurrying throngs on the way home for the holidays. Everybody looked tired and excited, but most of them had happy faces, and men and women alike had as many bundles as they could carry. Bundles and boxes quite unlike the brown paper ones with which commuters are laden on ordinary days. These were white packages be ribboned and be flowered and be and be mistletoed, to be gently carried and protected from crushing. The train was filled to overflowing, and many stood in the aisles until Latham Junction was reached, and the overflow alighted to change cars for Greentown and Way stations. Among the crowd were two men with suitcases who hurried into the way train and entering the smoking-car from opposite ends, met in the middle of the aisle, dropped their encumbrances, stretched out a hand, and ejaculated in the same breath, Dick Larrabee, upon my word! Dave Gilman! By all that's great! Here, let's turn over a seat for our baggage and sit together. Going home, I suppose? The men had not met for some years, but each knew something of the other's circumstances and hoped that the other didn't know too much. They scanned each other's faces, "'Dick thinking that David looked pinched and pale, "'David half-heartedly registering the quick impression "'that Dick was prosperous. "'Yes,' David answered. "'I'm going home for a couple of days. "'It's such a confounded journey to that one-horse village "'that a businessman can't get there but once in a generation. "'Awful hole,' confirmed Dick. "'Simply awful hole. "'I didn't get it out of my system for years.' "'Married?' asked David. "'No. rather think I'm not the marrying kind.' "'though the fact is I've had no time "'for love affairs. Too busy. "'Let's see. You have a child, "'haven't you?' "'Yes. Letty has seen to all that "'business for me since my wife died. "'Wild Horses couldn't have dragged "'the information from him that the child "'was twins, and Dick didn't need it "'anyway, for he had heard the news "'the morning he left Beulah. "'I wonder if there have been many changes in the village?' "'Don't know. "'There never used to be. "'Mrs. Popham has been ailing for years.' She couldn't die, and Deacon Todd wouldn't. Dick's old animosity still lingered faintly in his memory, though his laughing voice and the twinkle in his eyes showed plainly that no bitterness was left. How's business with you, David? Ah, only so so. I've had the devil's own luck lately. I can't get anything that suits me or that pays a decent income. I formed a new connection the other day, but I can't say yet what there is in it. I'm just out of the hospital operation. They cut out the wrong thing first. I believe, sewed me up absent-mindedly, then remembered it was the other thing, and did it over again. At any rate, that's the only way I can account for their mewing me up there for two months.' "'Well, well, that is hard luck. I'm sorry, old boy. Things didn't begin to go my way either until within the last few months. I've always made a fair living and saved a little money, but never gained any real headway.' "'Now I've got a first-rate start, "'and the future looks pretty favorable, "'and the best of all, pretty safe. "'No trouble at home calls you back to Beulah? "'I hope Letty is all right.' "'Dick cast an anxious side-glance at David, "'though he spoke carelessly. "'Oh, no, everything's serene, so far as I know. "'I'm a poor correspondent, "'especially when I've no good news to tell. "'And anyway, the mere sight of a pen ties my tongue. "'I'm just running down to surprise Letty. "'Dick looked at David again. "'He began to think he didn't like him. "'He used to, when they were boys. "'But when he brought that unaccountable wife home "'and foisted her and her babies on Letty, "'he rather turned against him. "'David was younger than himself, four or five years younger. "'But he looked as if he hadn't grown up. "'Surely his boyhood chum hadn't used to be "'so pale and thin-chested, "'or his mouth so ladylike and pretty. "'A good face, though, straight and clean,' "'with honest eyes and a likable smile. "'Lack of will, perhaps, "'or a persistent run of ill luck. "'Letty had always kept him stiffened up in the old days. "'Dick recalled one of his father's phrases "'to the effect that Dave Gilman would spin on a very small biscuit "'and wondered if it were still true. "'And you, Dick? "'Your father's still living? "'You see, I haven't kept up with Beulah lately.' "'Keeping up with Beulah? "'It sounds like the title of a novel.' but the hero would have to be a snail, or he'd pass Beulah in the first chapter. Yes, father's hale and hearty, I believe. You come home every Christmas, I suppose? inquired David. No, as a matter of fact, this is my first visit since I left for good. That's about my case, and David hung his head a little unconsciously. That's so. Well, I was a hot-headed fool when I said good to Beulah and it's taken me all this time to cool off and make up my mind to apologize to the dad. There's there's rather a queer coincidence about my visit just at this time. Speaking of coincidences, said David, I can beat yours, whatever it is. If the thought of your father brought you back, my mother drew me. This way. And he took something from his inside coat pocket. Do you see that? Dick regarded the object blankly. Then, with a quick gesture, dived into his pocket and brought forth another of the same general character. "'How about this?' he asked. Each had one of Reba Larrabee's Christmas cards, but David had the first unsuccessful one, and Dick the popular one with the lonely little grey house and the verse about the folks back home. The men looked at each other in astonishment, and Dick gave a low whistle. Then they bent over the cards together. It was Mother's picture that pulled me back to Beulah, "'I don't mind telling you,' said David, his mouth twitching. "'Don't you see it?' "'Oh, is that your mother?' And Dick scanned the card closely. "'Don't you remember her portrait that always hung there after she died?' "'Yes, of course,' and Dick's tone was apologetic. "'You see, the face is so small I didn't notice it, but I recognize it now and remember the portrait.' "'Then the old sitting-room,' exclaimed David." Look at the rag carpet and the blessed old andirons. Gracious! I've crawled round those Hessian soldiers, burned my fingers, and cracked my skull on them, often enough when I was a kid. When I studied the card five minutes, I bought a ticket and started for home. David's eyes were suffused, and his lip trembled. I don't wonder, said Dick. I recognize the dear old room right enough, and of course I should know Letty." It didn't occur to me that it was Letty for some time, said her brother. There's just a glimpse of the face shown, and no real likeness. Perhaps not, agreed Dick. A stranger wouldn't have known it for Letty. But if it had been only that cape, I should have guessed. It's as familiar as Mrs. Popham's bugle bonnet, and much prettier. She wore it every winter, skating, you know, and it's just the color of her hair. Letty has a good shaped head. Said David judicially. It shows, even in the card. And a remarkable ear, added Dick, so small and so close to her head. I never noticed people's ears, confessed David. Don't you? I do. And eyelashes, too. Mother's got Letty's eyelashes down fine. She's changed, Dave, Letty has. That hurts me. She was always so gay and chirpy. "'In this picture she has a sad, far-away, listening look, "'but Mother may have put that in just to make it interesting. "'Or perhaps I've had something to do with the change of expression,' "'thought David. "'What attracted me first, he added, "'was your mother's verses. "'She always had a knack of being pious "'without cramming piety down your throat. "'I like that open door. "'It meant welcome, no matter how little you deserved it. "'Where'd you get your card, Dave?' asked Dick. "'It's prettier than mine.' "'A nurse brought it to me in the hospital "'just because she took a fancy to it. "'She didn't know it would mean anything to me. "'But it did. A relapse.' "'And David laughed shamefacedly. "'I guess she'll confine herself to beef tea after this. "'Where'd you get yours?' "'I picked it up on a dentist's mantelpiece "'when I was waiting for an appointment. "'I was traveling round the room, hands in my pockets, "'when suddenly I saw this card "'standing up against an hourglass. "'The color caught me. "'I took it to the window.' "'and at first I was puzzled. "'It certainly was Letty's house. "'The door's open, you see, "'and there's somebody in the window. "'I knew it was Letty, "'but how could any card publisher "'have found the way to Beulah? "'Then I discovered Mother's initials "'snarled up in the holly "'and remembered that she was always painting "'and illuminating. "'Queer job, life is,' said David, "'putting his card back in his pocket "'and wishing there were a little more time "'or that he had a little more courage.' so that he might confide in Dick Larrabee. He felt a desire to tell him some of the wretchedness he had lived through. It would be a comfort just to hint that his unhappiness had made him a coward, so that the very responsibilities that serve as a spur to some men had left him until now cold, unstirred, unvitalized. You're right, Dick answered. Life is a queer job, and it doesn't do to shirk it and just as queer as anything in life is the way that Mother's Christmas cards brought us back to Beulah. They acted as a sort of magic, didn't they? Jiminy! I believe the next station is Beulah. I hope the depot team will be hitched up. Yes, here we are, seven o'clock, and the train only thirty-five minutes late. It always made a point of that on holidays. Never mind. And Dick's tone was as gay as David's was sober.' "'The bean pot will have gone back to the cellarway "'and the doughnuts to the crock, "'but the folks back home will get them out for us, "'and mince pie, too, and a cut of sage cheese. "'There won't be any folks back home. "'We're so late, I'm thinking. "'There's always a Christmas Eve festival at the church, you know. "'They never change in Beulah.' "'Then by George they can have me for Santa Claus,' "'said Dick as they stepped out on the platform. "'Why, it doesn't seem cold at all. "'Yet look at the ice on the river.' What skating, and what a moon! My blood's up, and if I find the parsonage closed, I'll follow on to the church and make my peace with the members. There's a kind of a spell on me. For the first time in years, I feel as though I could shake hands with Deacon Todd. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Dick. I'm going to walk. Good gracious, have you come to spend the winter? Various bags and parcels were being flung out on the platform with that indifference and irresponsibility that bespeak the touch of the seasoned baggage handler. You didn't suppose I was coming back to Beulah empty-handed on Christmas Eve, did you? If I'm in time for the tree, I'm going to give those blue-nosed, frost-bitten little youngsters something to remember. Jump in, Dave, and ride as far as the turn of the road. In a few minutes, the tottering old signboard that marked the way to Beulah Center hove in sight and David jumped from the sleigh to take his homeward path. "'Merry Christmas again, Dick,' he waved. "'Same to you, Dave. I'll come myself to say it to Letty the first minute I see smoke coming from your chimney tomorrow morning. "'Tell her you met me, will you, and that my visit is partly for her, only that Father had to have his turn first. "'She'll know why. "'Tell her Mother's card had Christmas magic in it. "'Tell—say, tell her the rest yourself, will you, Dick?' and Dave broke into a run down the hill that led to Letty. I will, indeed, breathed Dick into his muffler. We'll return with Chapter 7 right after these sponsor messages.
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: And now, Chapter 7 of The Romance of a Christmas Card by Kate Wiggin Repeating history, Letty was again at her open window. She had been half ashamed to reproduce the card, as it were, but something impelled her. She was safe from scrutiny, too, for everybody had gone to the tree—the Pophams, Mr. Davis, Clarissa Perry—everybody for a quarter of a mile up and down the street, and by now the company would be gathered and the tree lighted. She could keep watch alone, the only sound being that of the children's soft breathing in the next room. Letty had longed to go to the festival herself, but old Clarissa Perry, who cared for the twins now and then in Letty's few absences, had a niece who was going to speak a piece— and she yearned to be present and share in the glory. So Letty was kept at home as she had been numberless other times during the three years of her vicarious motherhood. The night was mild again, as in the year before. The snow lay like white powder on the hard earth. The moon was full, and the street was a length of dazzling silence. The lighted candle was in the parlor window, shining toward the meeting-house. The fire burned brightly on the hearth. The front door was ajar. Letty wrapped her old cape round her shoulders, drew her hood over her head, and seating herself at the window, repeated under her breath, My door is on the latch tonight. The hearth-fire is aglow. I seem to hear swift passing feet, the Christ-child in the snow. My heart is open wide tonight, for stranger kith or kin. I would not bar a single door, where love might enter in. And then a footstep, drawing ever nearer, Sounded crunch, crunch, in the snow. Letty pushed her chair back into the shadow. The footstep halted at the gate, came falteringly up the path, turned aside, and came nearer the window. Then a voice said, Don't be frightened, Letty. It's David. Can I come in? I haven't any right to, except that it's Christmas Eve. That, indeed, was the magic, the all comprehending phrase that swept the past out of the mind with one swift stroke. The acknowledgement of unworthiness, the childlike claim on the forgiving love that should be in every heart on such a night as this. Resentment melted away like mist before the sun. Her deep grievance, where had it gone? How could she speak anything but welcome? For what was the window open, the fire lighted, the door ajar, the guiding candle flame, but that love and that David might enter in? There were few words at first. "'nothing but close-locked hands and wet cheeks pressed together. "'Then Letty sent David into the children's room by himself. "'If the twins were bewitching when awake, "'they were nothing short of angelic when asleep. "'David came out a little later, his eyes reddened with tears, "'his hair rumpled, his face flushed. "'He seemed like a man awed by an entirely new experience. "'He couldn't speak. "'He could only stammer brokenly. "'As God is my witness, Letty. There's been something wrong with me up to this moment. I never thought of them as my children before, and I can't believe that they can, and I can't believe that such as they can belong to me. They were never wanted, and I've never had any interest in them. I owe them to you, Letty. You've made them what they are. You and no one else. Then Letty responded: If there hadn't been something there to build on, my love and care wouldn't have counted for much. They're just like dear mother's people for good looks and brains and pretty manners. They're pure surely all the way through, the twenties are. It's lucky for me that they are, said David, humbly. You see, Letty, I married Ava to keep my promise. If I was old enough to make it, I was old enough to keep it, so I thought. She never loved me, and when she found out that I didn't love her any longer, she turns against me. "'Our life together was awful from beginning to end. "'But she's in her grave, and nobody will ever hear my side "'now that she can't tell hers. "'When I looked at those two babies the day I left you, "'I thought of them only as retribution, "'and the vision of them, ugly, wrinkled, writhing little creatures, "'has been in my mind ever since.' "'Letty responded, "'They were compensation, not retribution, David. "'I ought to have told you how clever and beautiful they were.' But you never asked, and my pride was up in arms. A man should stand by his own flesh and blood, even if it isn't attractive. That's what I believe. I know, I know. But I've had no feeling for three years. I've been like a frozen man, just drifting, trying to make both ends meet, my heart dead and my body full of pain. I'm just out of the hospital. Two months. Two months in all. David, why didn't you let me know or send for me? Oh, it was way out in Missouri. I was taken ill very suddenly at the hotel in St. Joseph, and they moved me at once. There were two operations, first and last, and I didn't know enough to feel myself most of the time. Poor, poor buddy! Did you have good care? The best. I had more than care. Ruth Bentley, the nurse that brought me back to life, made me see what a useless creature I was. Some woman's instinct stirred in Letty at a new note in her brother's voice and a new look in his face. She braced herself for his next words, sure that they would open a fresh chapter. The door and the window were closed now, the shades pulled down, the fire low. The hour was ripe for confidences. You see, Letty—and David cleared his throat nervously and looked at the coals gleaming behind the Hessian soldiers. It's a time for thorough housekeeping, body, mind, and soul. "'A long illness is. "'And Miss Bantley knew well enough "'that all was wrong with me. "'I mentioned my unhappy marriage "'and told her all about you. "'But I said nothing about the children.' "'Why should you?' "'asked Letty, "'although her mind had leaped to the reason already. "'Well, I was a poor patient "'in one of the cheapest rooms, "'broken in health, "'without any present means of support. "'I wanted to stand well with her. "'She had been so good to me.' and I thought if she knew about the twins, she wouldn't believe I could ever make a living for three. Still less for four, put in Letty, with an irrepressible note of teasing in her tone. She had broken the ice. Like a torrent set free, David dashed into the story of the last two months and Ruth Bentley's wonderful influence. How she had recreated him within as well as without. How she was the best and noblest of women. "'willing to take a pauper by the hand "'and brace him up for a new battle with life. "'Strength appeals to me,' confessed David. "'Perhaps it's because I'm weak, for I'm afraid I am. "'Be careful, Davy. "'Ava was strong.' "'David shuddered. "'He remembered a strength that lashed and buffeted "'and struck and overpowered. "'Ruth is different,' he said. "'Out of the strong came forth sweetness. "'Used to be one of Parson Larrabee's texts.' "'That's Ruth's kind of strength. "'Can I—will you let me bring her here to see you, Letty, Say for New Year's? "'It's all so different from the last time I asked you. "'Then I knew I was bringing you nothing but sorrow and pain, "'but Ruth carries her welcome in her face.' "'The prop inside of Letty wavered unsteadily for a moment "'and then stood in its accustomed upright position. "'Why not?' she asked. "'It's the right thing to do.' but you must tell her about the children first. Oh, I did that long ago, after I found out that she cared. It was only at first that I didn't dare. I haven't told you, but she went out for her daily walk and brought me home a Christmas card, the prettiest one she could find, she said. I was propped up on pillows, as weak as a kitten. I looked at it and looked at it, and when I saw that it was this room, the old fireplace and mother's picture and the Hessian soldier and irons, "'when I realized there was a face at the window "'and that the door was ajar. "'Everything just swam before me, "'and I fainted dead away. "'I had a relapse, "'and when I was better again I told her everything. "'She's fond of children. "'It didn't make any difference, "'except for her to say, "'except for her to say that the more she had to do for me, "'the more she wanted to do it.' "'Well,' said Letty, "'with a break in her voice, "'that's love, so far as I can see.' "'and if you've been lucky enough to win it, "'take it and be thankful, "'and above all, nurse and keep it. "'So one of Reba's cards, "'the one the publisher thought would never sell, "'found you and brought you back. "'How wonderful! "'We little thought of that, Reba and I. "'Reba's work didn't stop there, Letty. "'There was so much that had to be said "'between you and me just now "'that I couldn't let another subject creep in "'till it was finished and we were friends.' "'But Dick Larrabee saw Reba's card "'about the folks back home in Chicago, "'and he bought a ticket for Beulah just as I did. "'We met in the train and compared notes.' "'Dick Larrabee? Home?' "'The blood started in Letty's heart "'and sped hither and thither, "'warming her from head to foot. "'Yes, and looking as fit as a fiddle, "'the way a man looks when things are coming his way. "'But what did the card mean to him? "'Did he seem to like Reba's verses?' "'Yes,' "'but I guess the card just spelled home to him, "'and he recognized this house in a minute, of course. "'I showed him my card, and he said, "'That's Letty fast enough. "'I know the cape. "'He recognized you in a minute,' he said. "'He knew the cape. "'Yes, the old cape had been close to his shoulder many a time. "'He liked it, and he said it matched her hair. "'He was awfully funny about your ear, too. "'I told him I never noticed women's ears, "'and he said he did.' When they were pretty, and their eyelashes, too. Anything remarkable about your eyelashes, Letty? Nothing that I'm aware of, said Letty laughingly, although she was fibbing, and she knew it. And he said he'd call and say Merry Christmas to you the first thing tomorrow, that he would have been here tonight, but you'd know his father had to come first. You don't mind being second to the parson, do you? No, Letty didn't mind. Her heart was unaccountably light and glad, like a girl's heart. IT WAS THE EVE OF MARY WHEN ALL WOMEN ARE BLESSED BECAUSE OF ONE. THE WISE MEN BROUGHT GIFTS TO THE CHILD. LETTY HAD OFTEN BROUGHT HERS TIMIDLY, DEVOUTLY, TRUSTFULLY, AND PERHAPS TONIGHT THEY WERE COMING BACK TO HER. AND NOW CHAPTER Eight, FROM THE ROMANCE OF A CHRISTMAS CARD BY KATE WIGGIN PUT THE THINGS DOWN ON THE FRONT STEPS, SAID DICK TO THE DRIVER AS HE NEARED THE PARSONAGE. If there's nobody at home, I'll go up to the church after I've got this stuff inside. Got a key? No, I don't need one. I've picked all the locks with a penknife many a time. Besides, the key is sure to be under the doormat. Yes, here it is. Of all the unaccountable customs I ever knew, that's the most laughable. Works all right for you. Yes, and for all the other tramps. And Dick opened the door and lifted in his belongings. Good night, he called to the driver. I'll walk up to the church after I've found out whether Mother keeps the mince pie and cider applesauce in the same old place. A few minutes later, his hunger partially stayed. Dick Larrabee locked the parsonage door and took the well-trodden path across the church common. It was his father's feet, he knew, that had worn the shoveled path so smooth, his kind, faithful feet that had sped to and fro on errands of mercy, never faltering in all those years. It was nearly eight o'clock, the sound of the melodeon with children's voices, floated out from the white-painted meeting-house, all ablaze with light, or as much ablaze as a kerosene chandelier and six side-lamps could make it. The horse-sheds were crowded with teams of various sorts, the horses well-blanketed and standing comfortably in straw, and the last straggler was entering the right-hand door of the church as Dick neared the steps. Simultaneously the left-hand door opened and on the background of a light inside appeared the figure of Mrs. Todd, the wife of his ancient enemy, the senior deacon. Dick could see that a sort of dressing-room had been curtained off in the little entry, as it had often been in former times of tableaux and concerts and what not. Valor, not discretion, was the better policy, and walking boldly up to the steps, Dick took off his fur cap and said, "'Good evening, Mrs. Todd.' "'Good gracious me!' Where under the canopy did you hail from, Dick Larrabee? Was your folks looking for you? They ain't breathed a word to none of us. No, I'm a surprise, Mrs. Todd. Well, I know you're giving me one. Will you wait a spell till the recitations is over? You'd scare the children so if you go in now that they'd forget their pieces more than they generally do. I can endure the loss of the pieces, said Dick, with a twinkle in his eye, at which Mrs. Todd laughed comprehendingly and said, "'Isaac'll get a stool or a box or something. "'There ain't a vacant seat in the church. "'I wish we could say the same on Sundays. "'Isaac, Isaac, come out and see who's here,' she called under her breath. "'He won't be long. "'He's tendin' John Tribble in the dressing room. "'He was the only one in the village that was willin' to be Santa Claus, "'and he wasn't over willin'. "'Now he's at something for supper that disagrees with him awfully, "'and he's all doubled up with colic. "'We can't have the tree till the exercises is over.' "'But that won't be till more than fifteen minutes. "'So I sent Isaac home to make a mustard plaster. "'He's putting it on John now. "'John's dreadful, solemn, and unamusing when he's well. "'And I can't think how he'll act "'when he's all crumpled up with stomachache "'and the mustard plaster drawing like a fire.' "'Dick threw back his head and laughed. "'He had forgotten just how unexpected Beulah's point of view always was. "'Deacon Todd now came out cautiously. "'I've got it on him, mother.' though he's terrible, unresigned to it, and I've given him a stiff dose of Jamaica ginger. We can tell him pretty soon whether he can take his part. "'Here's Dick Larrabee. Come back, Isaac. Just when we thought he'd given up Beulah for good,' said Mrs. Todd. The deacon stood on the top step, his gaunt, grizzled face peering above the collar of his greatcoat. Not a man to eat his words very often. Deacon Isaac Todd. "'Well, young man,' he said, "'you found your way home, have you?' "'It's about time, if you want to see your father alive. "'If it hadn't been for you and others like you, men who had forgotten what it was to be young. "'I should never have gone away,' said Dick hotly. "'What had I done worse than a dozen others, "'only that I happened to be a minister's son?' "'That's just it. "'You were bringing trouble on the parish, "'making talk that reflected on your father. "'Folks said if he couldn't control his own son, "'he wasn't fit to manage a church.' "'You played cards, you danced, you drove a fast horse. "'I never did a thing I'm ashamed of but one.' "'And Dick's voice was firm. "'My misdeeds were nothing but boyish nonsense. "'But the village never gave me credit for a single virtue. "'I ought to have remembered Father's position, yes. "'But whatever I was, or whatever I did, "'you had no right to pray for me openly "'for full five minutes at a public meeting. "'That galled me worse than anything.' Now, Isaac, interrupted Mrs. Todd, I hope you'll believe me. I've told you once a week, on an average, these last three years, that you might have chastened Dick some other way besides praying for him in meeting. The deacon smiled grimly. You both talk as if praying was one of the seven deadly sins, he said. I'm not objecting to your prayers, agreed Dick, but there were plenty of closets in your house where you might have gone and told the Lord your opinion of me only that wasn't good enough for you. You must needs tell the whole village. There, father, that's what I always said, agreed Mrs. Todd. Well, I ain't one that can't yield when the majority's against me, said the deacon, particularly when I'm treating John Tribble for the colic. If you stop acting so you threaten to split the church, Dick Larrabee, I'll stop praying for you. The Lord knows how I feel about it now, so I needn't keep on reminding him. Join us next week for the concluding chapters of The Romance of a Christmas Card by Kate Wiggin. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy our story, please do take a moment and send us a review. For 1001 Greatest Love Stories, we would appreciate that very much. We'll be back next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.